Welcome back into another edition of the College Football News Podcast. As always, I'm Nick Shepkowski alongside the boss of College Football News, Pete Futek, ready to recap Week 8 and look ahead to one of the bigger slates, one of the bigger weekends on the college football schedule this year in Week 9. Pete Futek, Wisconsin graduate, Bucky Badger himself. What did your Bucky Badgers do in Champaign-Urbana last weekend? They turned the ball over, and that's, that is how Wisconsin loses games. It's either they lose to the ridiculously talented team that they just don't have that kind of athleticism and talent. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Or they lose to the superiorly inferior team because they lose the turnover margin. They dominated that game. They owned it for 41 minutes. They had the ball for Brandon Peters of Illinois only con, uh, completed nine passes, but they had the two turnovers at the end. So here you have this team that turned it over once all year. Jonathan Taylor fumbles late. Uh, the Jack Cohn interception was absolutely ridiculous. And then your supposed number one defense couldn't come up with a stop when you had your chances. So give Illinois credit. They they kind of hung out there and they had the, the door cracked open just a little bit and they just kicked it right in. So uh, again, Illinois is able to hang around, hang around, hang around. Wisconsin didn't put it away. And that's how Wisconsin loses games like that. And you know, forgetting the fanboy side, it's I'd like to see the big monster matchups. I wanted to see Wisconsin and Ohio State when both programs were just humongous and this was going to be the biggest game ever. Just kind of like I want to see LSU and Alabama when two is healthy. I want the big giant matchups. So good for Illinois. It kind of makes our last podcast last week completely useless since we said Illinois is going to need a new head coach. But uh, it, for Wisconsin, all right, you know, now you know what you have to do. You have to win out, and you're in the college football playoff. Anything else, and uh, you're fighting for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you win out. That would probably require beating Ohio State, obviously, this weekend, and then again in Indianapolis. And from what I've seen of it, Ohio State so far this year. Yeah, they ain't happening. Good luck beating them once, let alone twice. But we'll cover that here in just a little bit. Other takeaways from this weekend, for me, I, I have Oregon pegged as this team. But to you, who's the best one-loss team that's in the nation right now? Talent-wise, it's Georgia. I, I mean, they, they haven't turned it on yet. They haven't looked the part, but they've got the NFL guys. If, if you're saying if, we're, if we are in a, uh, a four-team, four two-game format, who has the guys up front? Who has the lines, the NFL talent to be able to hang with the Alabamas and Ohio States of the world? It's Georgia. I, they just are that good. They just aren't getting enough out of their passing game. The receiving core isn't showing up, and they're just playing not good enough for Georgia. We will see the Florida thing. that We'll, we'll do a big thing on that next week. Uh, but for now, I, I'd have to go with them. But you're right. Oregon's right there. And to the, your point of the one loss, watch out for Utah. They've been dismissed after that USC loss, but they're playing great. Uh, I want to see a, an 11-1 Utah play an 11-1 uh, Oregon for the Pac-12 championship. Because the winner of that, it's going to be right there uh, in case like an Oklahoma loses or a Clemson loses. I think the Pac-12 champion, if it goes 12-1, and jumps those two and, and gets in. But that's for another day. I'm starting to have problems with, uh, with not so much Georgia as I am with Kirby Smart because I'm kind of thinking each time I watch that Georgia team, I feel more and more like it's turning into 
the Mac Jim Brown. Harbaugh. Are you gonna make are you gonna no. make me a Jim are you gonna make me go from Jim Harbaugh apologist to Kirby Smart apologist? No, not yet. But it's starting to feel like and you'll make fun of me because this guy won a national championship. It took one of the ten best college football players of all time to get it done for him. But it feels like Mac Brown teams of their the talent is clearly there. And he's finding ways to make things way too damn interesting against teams he has much more talent than or figure out ways to lose them. Part of the problem was last year, for example, it just so happened the SEC went SEC on Georgia. Uh, you had the one loss, and I'm completely blanking. I want to say, it was it to LSU? I think they lost to last year. I can't believe I can't remember. Yeah, it was at LSU. Yeah, so it was LSU. I mean, it's like, that's welcome to the SEC. You know, there's the difference between that and playing what Clemson's playing this year. Uh, so you have you can't really blame Georgia for that. You certainly can't blame them for losing the national championship uh, two years ago. And this year, all right, let's see. You know, the South Carolina game was unacceptable, uh, but same sort of thing, kind of like the Wisconsin-Illinois game. Georgia actually outplayed them. All, all this time, oh, South Carolina outplayed No, they didn't. Georgia outplayed them, and then they just couldn't get it done. So uh, I'm with you. They should be better. They should be more explosive, and they're just not. Yeah, part of it is, like, last year they had that SEC championship game one, and then the only time Justin Fields gets on the, the, the field during a meaningful oh. play, they run a fake punt with him, and I don't know what the heck the deal was. He missed the open that. receiver, by the way. That yeah, everyone well, dog, everyone forever will dog Kirby Smart for that call, and rightly so. it was so. a dumb call. It was a dumb call, but had Justin Fields just, just looked off his primary receiver, just he had a guy wide open for the first like, – it worked – Except he didn't read it right, and yeah. Plus, I mean, seriously, I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna blame again. I'm turning. You're making me a Kirby Smart apologist now. I'm not gonna blame Kirby Smart for not beating Alabama, just like I'm not gonna blame Harbaugh for not beating a monster Ohio State team. It took an all-timer of a performance by Jalen Hurts to get that done. And again, it's Alabama. I mean, it's kind of hard to to rip on him too much. It's yes, you're right. But when you enter a season with national title aspirations and all of that, and you show up and you don't look necessarily great against Notre Dame. You lose at home to South Carolina against the backup quarterback when you don't allow a touchdown somehow. It's just you have the bodies. You have the NFL caliber talent, and you're finding ways that things get way too interesting against Kentucky Let, last let's week. Let's just wait. Now you're going to make me adjust again because let's just wait and see what happens after your old cocktail party next week, and then, then we oh. can have this discussion about whether or not Kirby Smart is, uh, is the new Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Yeah, looking at you, you're setting yourself up for both sides. Either Florida thrives and you're spiking the ball on I have that, no clue. You, and now you're getting on the Kirby, oh. bar, Kirby Smart side, too. I, I, so. You know what? It's funny. I've been asked. I, 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 Mr. I'm America's radio guest this week, and I've asked, been asked three different times to look ahead to that already. I have no thought on that yet. I, I have no feel whatsoever about which teams show up for that weird thing yet. But that's that's for next week. Well, it's it's an elimination game for both, so I have yep. trouble believing that either of them fails to show up. It's just, uh, I mean, that's that's your that's your elimination game. That's your playing game to get to the SEC championship. But we'll get on that next week more so. Anything you took away from Penn State, Michigan this past weekend? If anything, for me, it was Penn State's defense is is solid, maybe not great. As you saw the running game start to wear down that Penn State defense in the second half of that. It's also that as much as I like to make fun of Jim Harbaugh, as much as I like to poke fun at that and the idea of him being this elite, great coach, 
Which he I'll is. I'll say this. Oh, he's not elite. He's good. He's damn good. He's better than the vast majority of the country, but he's not elite. He's elite. I will say this. His team does not ever quit. At least if it's not the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. They do not quit when they are playing a game. And I thought that was evident when they got, we're down 21 nothing. You're thinking, all right, there you go. Here comes a 35-point route. Here comes a blowout. And they come within a drop pass with just two minutes left of, of tying that thing up. Yeah, as I argued throughout the whole Twitter sphere this last weekend about with various Harbaugh haters, you know, they were supposed to lose that. They were a nine-point underdog. It was the whiteout conditions, and they had them. You know, you're in a Ronnie Bell dropped pass away from tying that thing up. The offense started to click. You're right. They absolutely didn't quit. And the thing about Harbaugh is, all right, he absolutely has to win the big games. No question about it. But they're not big games unless you win the medium ones. The thing about Harbaugh is that he might lose that game to Penn State. He didn't lose to Illinois the week before playing Ohio State. He doesn't lose to South Carolina. Out of his 16 losses so far, 15 of them are against teams that finished the season with 10 wins or more. And the one other one was against the Iowa team a couple years ago that just pantsed Ohio State. So, it, yeah, he's got to be better. There's no question about it. But as I keep asking, and I wrote the article this week, okay, Michigan fans and Harbaugh haters, you want to get rid of him? Fine. Then you're saying, I want to make change for change's sake because who's your guy? Who Who's the guy who's going to come in and win 74% of his games and not lose all those other games? And, okay, so you beat Ohio State, fine. And here's the last thing on the Harbaugh side. You know what I can see happening is that watch they, them lose like to Notre Dame this week. And everyone's screaming at Harbaugh, oh, this sucks, he's awful, Michigan's bad and stuff. Ohio State rolls along. Watch that this is the year when it absolutely doesn't matter that he beats Ohio State and Ohio State goes 11 and one, goes to the Big Ten championship anyway, and goes off to the college football playoff. And then, oh well, you know, great, you got your win over Ohio State. You know, nope, doesn't matter. Ohio State's in the college football playoff. Yeah, but wouldn't people from Ohio State or from Michigan take that? Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Just because I, it has been, they've won what two games since 2004 in that series. Like yeah, at this but point, I with- guess, but who cares if it doesn't matter? See, the reason why that rivalry matters is when it hurts. So when it's the years that... Right, but if I- they mess up Ohio State's track, if they beat Ohio State, and potentially keep them out of a college football playoff. Yeah, if Ohio State's 11 and 0 and they lose to if Ohio State's 11 and 0 by that point, Penn State they're going to have beaten Penn State and Penn State's going to lose one other game. If 11 and 1 Ohio State goes to the Big 10 championship and they go to the college football playoff. So there's a I'm just saying I'm going total hypothetical including Michigan winning that game, but yeah, the game's got to hurt for it to really matter. And the other thing about this too, Harbaugh did win big games. They, their last year's team destroyed Penn State. That was supposedly a big game. They destroyed Wisconsin. At the time, that was a big game. They destroyed Michigan State. That was supposedly a big game. They beat Northwestern, who won the West. I know it's not beating Ohio State, but that just kind of gets like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. But, oh, what a big game already. Yeah, he won the large games. I don't know about the huge games, but he's definitely won the large ones, especially last year. I mean, they were a favorite when they went to Ohio State because of what they did against Penn State. Like it's like dogging LSU for not being able to beat Alabama. 
It just it, it's it's an unrealistic thing. Ohio State's its own thing, but if you're Michigan, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, Michigan people are like, okay, this is fun and all, but you know, we need to win those big games, and I do get it. The comp I keep going back to is watch out. Be careful what you wish for. Nebraska launched Bo Pelini. I know he was weird, and there were a whole bunch of other things. All the dude did was win nine games or more for eight straight seasons, go to a bunch of uh, conference championship games, and then, oh, he couldn't win the big one. And they've been a disaster ever since they got rid of him. So it's not a given that just any coach slides on in and all of a sudden takes Michigan to another level. So we transition a little bit here going into week nine this season I uh, you see how things have gone. Talking a little bit of Michigan, we'll touch on them with Notre Dame coming up. Ohio State hosting Wisconsin, like you mentioned a little bit ago, this was supposed to be the slugfest. This was supposed to be two top six teams or maybe two top five teams at this point. But Wisconsin has the hiccup last week. They lose on the road in Champaign. Is there any chance whatsoever? I mean, yes, the turnovers hurt Wisconsin last week. But what kind of matchup is this? Because I see Ohio State, and every damn time I turn them on, it's there's Justin Fields breaking six tackles, extending a play, making a 35-yard gain. All of a sudden, the Buckeyes are in the end zone, and it's like their foot does not come off the gas from the second the opening kickoff goes until the final whistle blows. I don't think that Wisconsin handles their wide receivers. And that's the, I, I always wondered why and how I know easier said than done. And I'm certainly smart. People who get paid millions of dollars would have figured this out before I would. I don't know why teams don't keep throwing it deep on the Badgers. Again, Brandon Peters of Illinois only completed nine passes, but he hit the big ones. He kept pushing it down the field and kept testing those Badger corners and it paid off big. It, you can beat this team. You can beat them by great receivers. And Ohio State's so freaking deep. They might not have the Alabama talent at receiver, but they're certainly number 1A or 1B if you want to put Clemson in there. Uh, they've got – that's how they're going to roll them. I don't know how – Wisconsin's weird. You know, it's just one – and I'm saying this not even as a fan, but just that's the one team that if you're a Clemson or an Alabama or someone in the college football have – I, I would think Wisconsin, just because of its style, would actually have had a chance. I, I didn't think in a million years didn't think Notre Dame had a chance to do anything, or Michigan State mm-hmm. didn't have a chance a couple of years ago, or Washington. They just they were there. They got in. It was cute, but okay, fun time's over. Wisconsin on the right day, if it gets that sledgehammer going, and they hold the ball for 40 minutes, their style is just good enough to to potentially do that. I don't think it happens. And if it does happen, as we alluded to before, maybe they catch them this week. They ain't catching them twice. They're not going to beat Ohio State twice. But I don't know how this secondary hangs with this receiving core. Yeah, I don't see that either. I think Ohio State, to me, if I had a top 25 vote, they would... I know there's been impressive teams, and the SEC speaks for itself, and its track record speaks for itself. But on a week-to-week basis, it's like each week you walk away oh my God, I can't believe Ohio State did this this week. I mean, they seem like maybe they're not better than anyone, but at least at this point, they're as impressive to me as anyone in this country has been so far through the first eight weeks of the 2019 college football season. And I think that rolls on in a very big way against Wisconsin this week. All right, so make your call. So what's happening this weekend? Ohio State blows the doors off of of, of Wisconsin. Wisconsin is, I mean, they hang a, I'll say it, Ohio State hangs a 40 spot on a, Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, 
the only re- I, you're, I wouldn't be shocked by that in any way. The only reason I don't think that necessarily happens, I, I kind of think, I know Wisconsin plays the exact same game, whether they're playing Kent State or Ohio State. They have the exact same style. They also played it incredibly close to the vest last week against Illinois, where they basically Paul Chris at the end, they could have gone for it. You're, you're Wisconsin. Go for the touchdown. Said they kicked the field goal because it was the smart or play. Or maybe give the ball to your, I don't know, Heisman Trophy contending running back instead of the fullback twice at the two. Yeah, that would have been nice, but uh, but you know they, they maybe go for things like that a little more because at the time you know, that, that's you can't blame Paul Chris for the for the call of saying you know what I've got the best defense in the country and Illinois kind of sucks and I'm gonna turn it over and I'm gonna be up two scores with with six minutes to go yeah right move I I think there's just a little bit of a tweak and they kind of open it up a little bit more against Ohio State the pressure's a little bit more off. I, I again, I if if we're talking next weekend as a 40 to three Ohio State final, no doubt about it, with no question. I just think Wisconsin kind of keeps it closer and loses. Okay, I, I have Wisconsin getting rolled in this one, and their dreams, their aspirations of the college football playoff take a hit, and also because of the way Minnesota's schedule kind of shapes up, it's no sure thing that Wisconsin ends up in Indianapolis then. By the way, as well, you, you know, you you ready for this one? And I know we're not going to talk about it, I think in this, but. Maryland's going to be with Minnesota this week. You really think that? Yep. You're you're investing any of uh, your credibility yep. in Maryland yep. football? It's on the side. I put it up. I put Maryland up there. It's yeah. I might look ridiculous, but they get their they get their backfield back. That's been hurt. Uh, there's no pressure. Everyone has Minnesota. It ain't no. Oh, Penn State next week. Oh, you just got to beat Maryland. No, what? No big deal. Uh, Minnesota's not that great. They haven't played anybody. They haven't done anything yet, and there's no pressure on the Terps. I just, I maybe it's just because we a little PTSD from seeing what Illinois did last week. I think this is where the Gophers blow it. Yeah, if it was a road game, I would trust it or maybe feel it a little bit more. But I, Maryland's a team that has not gone on the road and played successful football so far this season either. I, I know that they're getting healthy, but. What loss at Temple, um, loss at Purdue. Purdue destroyed them a couple of weeks ago. I, they have not traveled. I think they're well. just flaky. I think this is this how Maryland is. I think they're just going to be this weird team. So really, is again more kind of an anti-Minnesota thing. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, Nebraska without Adrian Martinez, that was strange. Mm-hmm. Great. So you blew out Rutgers. Okay, super. Uh, you know, they got by Purdue. Okay, that was fine. Just it, it's a good team and. I wouldn't. I'm not going crazy on this here, but I just kind of think that they're going at some point something that Minnesota is going to kind of get exposed just a wee bit. I hope not. I, I think it would be. I grew up in Minneapolis. I'm, I would love to see Minnesota uh, get to the Paul Bunyan Axe game at 11 and 0, uh, but I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, I don't think it will either. Uh, I think they win this week against Maryland, and I think reality comes and comes in a hard way when they have Penn State, Iowa, at Northwestern. That'll be a cakewalk this year. But then uh, Wisconsin to close the year as well. I mean, this is a team that might sit 7-0 and right now, and they're going to have real trouble getting to 10 wins, even with that 7-0 and start, if I were to try to evaluate things. It's just a, a very back-heavy schedule that they've had. Wait, so and they've go taken back to your other question. So, so, so to go back on topic and see what you thought, I, I Penn State's fine. You know, they were supposed to win. And you, know, you asked the question before, what to take away from Penn State-Michigan? It's all right. I mean, it's played three good games. 
against good teams, and they struggled to get by Pitt, and that required a little bit of help from Pat Narduzzi on mm-hmm. the other side. Uh, they struggled to get by Iowa. Michigan. Iowa, thank you. You know, that game was a, was a dogfight where the offense didn't work, and they needed a drop pass to survive Michigan last week. So they're very good. This is a, a, is a fantastic young team. James Frank, this team is going to be a monster next year, and it's still obviously really good this year. I'm not there. I'm not right. I, they could lose to Michigan State. I'm just going to ask, how much on upset alert should they be this week? How can they not be? I mean, think of, the thing about Michigan State being undervalued, one, they've got they, they got two weeks off to prepare. And two, I think everyone's down on the Spartans, but look what they had to do. You had the Arizona State game, and then they had th- as part of a run of three road games in four weeks. One of them was in Columbus. And then at the end of the run, the last team you want to face is Wisconsin. And that just looked like a beat team at that at that point and when you got Wisconsin at home hammering on them I I don't think they do it I, mean, I think my pick is going to be Penn State but not covering but I if I would not be shocked Michigan State's way overdue for a big time defensive performance and again they've had two weeks off that part of it also Michigan State here the last few years has played extremely well against Penn State as well so a little bit of upset watch there Michigan State to me one of the most disappointing teams just because defense has been there but it's been so heavily relied upon okay go out and uh, be on the field for 40 minutes or so because your offense isn't giving you a damn thing i'm not trusting michigan state's offense to, to do enough maybe they cover and that's fine and that's dandy i just have been fooled by them too many times offensively yeah but, the Ari- just... but remember what they've had they've done though the arizona state game's the only real one you can honk at you can't get mad at them for losing at ohio state or at wisconsin i can't get mad at them for losing but i can get mad at them for getting shut out at wisconsin i can get mad at them for getting a blown out 34 to 10 in a game that wasn't even that close at Ohio State it's not just the loss as much as it is the the look of the loss and of a team that yeah that's supposed to be eh, maybe not an even matchup it's supposed to be a defense that can compete in an offense that uh, can make a play here or there they didn't belong on the same field as Ohio State or Wisconsin they actually well not very many teams do and that includes the aberration with Illinois I just I I, I'm not going to dog anybody for losing to Ohio State this year. It's like you can't get mad at the team that's, you know, you can't get mad for losing to Alabama. I, mean, I know Alabama it's not about Ohio just State, losing, it's though. Just, it's You were out of that game 10 minutes in against Wisconsin. Everybody, everybody is going to be out of that game against Ohio State. And Wisconsin, when it's got its stuff together, yeah, it's – again, I'm curious. You know, it, Those performances against Michigan and Michigan State were just so strong. I, I want to see that team show up against Ohio State. I don't think it I don't think it matters. I don't think they win, but it was seems like it was a different sort of mentality for those big games than it was for Illinois and even Northwestern, even to a point where it's like I, my problem with Paul Chris, not to get back on this, is that sometimes they just kind of think, okay, our formula is going to work and we're going to get in this game, do our formula and get out of, get out of here with the win. And sometimes it just leaves the other team in the game, and I don't think you're going to see that against the Buckeyes this week. Yeah, I, I don't see that one against the uh, Buckeyes this week, and yeah, I think that Ohio State rules, like I had said earlier. Another huge one to get to this weekend, the number two team in the nation, LSU, and their potent offense taking on Auburn, the upstart Auburn Tigers that, mm, well, the freshman quarterback, Bo Nix, showed his head against Florida a couple times, some bad turnovers, especially deep into, deep into Florida territory. I, that's sitting at 10, 10.5 points on the spread. 
Any chance that Auburn yes. goes into Death Valley? You like yes. their chances there? Because yes. to me, yes. they got to be able to run for like 220 yards or so to even have a chance. Yes, because they have the lines. They they have the best defensive line in the SEC. Joe Burrow hasn't really been pressured at all yet. Right. And, and so that's going to change. He the, the weird part about Auburn is they actually have a great pass rush, and their secondary gets bombed on. Uh, so they're, they've got the defense. It's SEC. It's Tiger on Tiger action. I, I am not going to pick Auburn to win but I'm going to pick them to make it very, very ridiculously close. And if they do win, I'm just going to take credit and say I think they probably could have or should win. They, they've just got that team. You're right. They don't. They have a running back by committee thing happening now with Whitlow out. Bo Nix has been bad in two games, the Oregon game and the Florida game. LSU's defense has been fine, but you can throw on this group. Uh, all the pressure, again, going back to the, who's got the pressure on him this week, all the pressure in the world is on Minnesota. All the pressure in the world's on Ohio State. All the pressure in the world's on LSU. Uh, I will not be shocked if Auburn wins this. I will be shocked. I just don't trust. I think Bo Nix, you have to make a couple plays here. There. He did against Oregon. As bad as he played, I, the Gus Melzon playbook, whatever he was doing at the end of that game, can make fun of it all we want. It somehow wound up working. I don't trust that to happen at LSU. I think you might be right. I think that it's yeah, I think it's probably one of those because of controlling the line of scrimmage, Auburn stays close. I don't trust their quarterback to make a big play when he needs to because of, I don't know, the taste that was left in my mouth post-Florida game that uh, that he showed, that Bo Nix showed. And, but they uh, were still in that. it. You they know, the were, crazy part about just, it, that's... That that's kind of the weird thing about Auburn is that they kind of go against type because this has always been under Malzahn the 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 offense that you speed it up you go a thousand miles an hour keep everyone on their heels they have to do ball control they just have to they got to keep that offense on the field keep Joe Burrow off it and I know he's awesome at some point Joe Burrow's got a Joe Burrow I mean I, I'm I'm not this whole thing like oh he's the number one pick in the draft now does he go over Tua all this stuff. Yeah, maybe. I know I keep doubting him and he keeps, you know, going just ballistic. But at some point, you're Joe Burrow. This is, this is going to have to slow down. At some point, there's going to be a regression to the mean here. Yeah, you would think that. But, I, hey. He's been I, awesome. He's been outstanding and he's probably, I know you let your big jail and Hurts guy. No, he's the Heisman winner I, right he's now. He's got to be if, your Heisman winner yeah, through probably right the first now, eight he has weeks to be. of the year. So LSU survives, but you think they take a scare in this one? I'm not as sold on Clemson or on Auburn, rather. Wrong Tigers going through my head. I, I'm just saying, I'm picking the I'm picking the Tigers to win, guaranteed. I think you'll be right. The I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The I'm old just, era of college football yeah, and ties are gone, so I think you'll walk out uh, with a with 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 a win in that category. I just don't trust Bonex to get it done. Kind of like I said, he has showed in big time games. Too many mistakes for me to trust him to go into Death Valley and walk careful. out victorious. Just be careful. It's a lot of points. I, I Hey, yeah. if you've been going with the uh, underdog, the double-digit underdogs in the big games lately, you've been doing kind of all right lately. So we switched things up then in the night game on Saturday to Ann Arbor, Michigan. We go. This was supposed to be one of the games of the year. Instead, Michigan, a two-loss team entering this contest. Notre Dame lost themselves on the road at Georgia earlier this year. What's this shaping up to be? What's it shape up to even mean to you, one Pete Futek? 
I, well, it means everything to Harbaugh, at least for this week. And the, the narrative is just so huge that, oh, the guy can't win a big game, even though he's won lots of very large games, maybe not the biggest of big games. Uh, but he's got to win. You know, it's just one of those moments where he can take the heat off for now. And the problem, of course, becomes he can beat Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, Michigan can beat Notre Dame with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. And that's fine, but then he's still got to beat Michigan State. He's still got to go out there and beat Ohio State, or else this doesn't really matter. So take that off the table a little bit. I'm, I can't wait to kind of see what Michigan does. I think they found something last week in that second half that it was kind of like they came out of the locker room at halftime, like, all right, enough. We're, we're just going to start playing well, and we're just going to start winging around. They figured something out with the running game and Zach Charbonnet. They got the passing game going. But at the end of the day, I know this is going completely against everything I say as the as the Grand Poobah president of the Jim Harbaugh Apologist Club. It's Jim Harbaugh in a big game. How do you pick? How do you pick Michigan against Notre Dame in a game like this? Relatively even teams. I'm going Notre Dame. Very very close. Yeah, the part that I see on it, and when you ask that question, how do you take Jim Harbaugh? It's just I have lived through and seen so many of these nightmares in Ann Arbor, whether it was 2009 and Tate Forcier leading an improbable comeback and Tate Forcier thinking, yep, that's going to be the guy that saves and salvages Michigan football. And then two weeks later, he was no damn good and transferred to wherever the heck he ended up transferring to. And two years later, it was the uh, Denard Robinson with 30 seconds left because of a breakdown in a game that Notre Dame dominated all night long. They figured out a way to lose. Well, well I, I'm old enough to thing. remember Rocket Ismail being kicked two twice. So Did I, you I, know, I've Pete? Seen it, I've seen it on the other side. I have exclusive news for you. Yes. That you and I have combined to win as many national championships as Bo Schembechler as uh, college yeah, you know head what? coaches. It, it, in my in my crazy Jim Harbaugh apologist club meeting this last week, that's one of the crazy things about Bo Schembechler era. He didn't win his first bowl game until his 16th year at Michigan. First bowl game was 16 years in. Now you have to remember, back in the day, the Big Ten only sent one team to a bowl Rose game, bowl. the Rose yeah. Bowl. So there are a lot of years where they just didn't go. But yeah, his 16th year. Plus then, then but then they did start going every year, and they kept getting blasted so yeah it, it took a long time for mr bow to to actually finally win a, a quote-unquote big game even though they got ohio state obviously a bunch of times. yeah that's what i like to point out about bow and that in that rocket ishmael thing that you mentioned had he decided to you know not kick the rocket they end up winning that game this team that went undefeated the rest of the regular season and maybe they're playing with national title Is that aspirations the team? no the year before was the team that went uh, well, we're really off target here, but uh, <laughs> the year before was the 9-0-3 team. I think where, that was just after. I think it was just after. I think it was before because I think that was the year that they lost to Miami where Miami made this amazing comeback. And then the week after, they went to Notre Dame and had played the greatest Catholics versus convicts game of all time. Um, up there. Um, I, I think the 9-0-3 game, I, I'll, I, yeah, this is great podcasting here, but I think that was the year before. But there have been some amazing moments in this in the history of this rivalry, obviously. Yeah, is this one, I mean, just a little bit off topic there, should it be played every year? Obviously. It, it, it's always good. It's a good thing for college football. And it's so weird because people of a certain age don't know how big Miami-Florida State was or know just how massive 
Thanksgiving weekend was when Nebraska and Oklahoma were the two big giant teams in the Big Eight and the wins going to the Orange Bowl. And, you know, there's so many big time matchups in college football. I know Notre Dame USC has lost a little bit of its luster. Uh, But, yeah, of course, it's Notre Dame. It's Michigan. Of course, we should be seeing it every year. So I have it being, I mean, I think it's going to be another one of these classic games between two teams that one's ranked, one's a top 10 team. You switch the rosters, you switch the schedules. They seem pretty damn even to me. I think Notre Dame has a little bit better offensive line. I trust their quarterback more, even though I'm not necessarily in love with the guy. Be in love with Ian Book. Be in love with him. What do I have to do to put you two kids together? He is is so much better than you Notre Dame types think he is. He's good. I'm not saying he's not good. It's just Trevor Lawrence, but... Well, right. And then when you get to... Actually, right now he's better, actually, in a way. Probably healthier, anyway, at least, than him. But when you get to those big-time games, those big-time matchups, that's where I think one of the biggest differences between teams is depth one and then quarterback play you have good for Notre Dame and then you have great on most of these teams that truly are elite I just tend to think that when you look at this matchup advantage at the quarterback position goes to Notre Dame advantage on the offensive line goes to Notre Dame while the defensive line is not a very wide gap whatsoever from what Michigan offers to what Notre Dame has uh has put and up here in your weeks. call is Notre Dame by a hair. I've seen too many heartbreaks in Ann Arbor. There's just too much of a track record, too much of a recent history to make me think that, yep, Notre Dame shows up and they win by three touchdowns and runs away and just dominates from get-go. No, I don't think that happens. I really don't. But uh, I think that they have too much talent, and I think that the, If we're talking next week about this game and where did it go wrong, I, I do think Notre Dame wins. I, I think they are better. I think their defensive line is going to get to Shea Patterson. I do think that's going to be the difference. I do like Ian Book a whole lot better than you do because I know you want – you just pine for Tommy Reese and Brandon Wish, Winbush to come oh, back. Uh, or Everett Golson or just Blair Keel or all the way down the line. If we're talking next week about, wow, how did Michigan pull this off – we're going to look back at the USC game and how those receivers were able to, to not light up the Notre Dame secondary, but have a decent enough day. I, if these Michigan receivers put it all together and there was evidence that they kind of might be in the second half of that Penn State game, that's how they win this, is that passing game finally clicks and works for a full 60 minutes. Yeah, there was that. There was the six drops also with the Michigan receivers against Penn State. I don't know, I think, what, four or five of them came in the first half, and obviously the one at the end of the game was was tough to watch no matter who you root for, but that's just kind of been the case with them as well, a little bit of the drop so far this year. But in terms of talent, yeah, they are definitely a bunch of talented receivers that they have, a little bit different than like the USC ones, but the athleticism jumps off at you. Typical Michigan type of thing. Feels like anytime you look at their good teams, that they always have a couple of guys that, yep, Maybe they're not going to be first or second round picks, but they'll be playing on Sunday for a couple of the year, couple of years, no doubt. So we both have Notre Dame in a squeaker there. How about some time for some Power Five? You Let's for that? do it. You good Come for on. That? All right, with our Power let's throw, Five. Let's throw these other guys a bone here. All right, yeah, the, the the guys and the teams and the topics and the games that don't get as much love as we think that they are worthy of. It seems like we do some form of this each and every week, but it's a story that just doesn't go away in this conference. It's the story of the year, I think, in the conference. The ACC, it's Clemson, it's an enormous gap, and maybe besides Syracuse, it's everyone else. 
Georgia what Tech the heck too, do you it, make a mess of, of this just mess and debacle that is ACC football? It's the same team. I mean, Virginia's a little bit better than everyone else, and Pitt might end up winning the Coastal again. Virginia Tech's kind of right there. But 2 through 14, it's like, all right, same team. Put them all in a sack. Pull one of them out, and you got the right winner on the right day. What sucks about it is it's well, you need your other periphery teams to be good, and you need your big teams to be great. Like, if NC State is great, okay, fine. NC State win no national championship anytime in our lifetime. And Virginia Tech's always plucky and interesting, and they can certainly rise up and have one big massive year where everything breaks right and get into the college football playoff and then get blown up by Alabama by 40, but you got to have Miami and Florida State good. And it, to remember how this all came together, when they, they first took the, went with the Big East and just took all their good teams, everyone at the time was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be Miami and Florida State. Every year, they're just going to rip through everybody in the conference, and it's just never happened. As it turned out, Virginia Tech and even Boston College have been a little more uh, consistently successful, at least early on, than Miami has. And Florida State's now fallen off the map. So when you got your two big teams, it's like saying, okay, the Big Ten, you've now lost Michigan and Penn State. You know, you have a whole lot of nothing else. So maybe you have a Wisconsin or something, but you lose your big teams. They just have nothing else. And that kills Clemson because if Clemson loses a game because the rest of the, the conference stinks, they're kind of hosed. That's what it sure as heck seems like. That That's what it looks like in the ACC. It's just like it always was. When I was growing up, it was always in the Big Ten. The conference is how Ohio State and Michigan go, and you can like it or hate it, but that's the way the ACC is. Okay, Clemson's turned into a national powerhouse, a couple of national championships of their name in recent years, but if Florida State's bad, if Miami's bad, if they're barely getting into bowl games or like last year not going to a bowl game in Florida State's case, which, I mean, all of a sudden it looks like they might be on pace for that yet again. I, then the whole conference kind of is just viewed as being a pile of garbage. Do you and remember of two years ago, we, there was the talk that ACC, oh, remember Jimbo Fisher and ACC Media Days? Oh, yeah, deeper than the SEC. Off, they were saying, oh, this is a, they're coming off the Lamar Jackson Heisman, the Florida State National Championships. And, you know, they, they were just, this was supposed to be the best conference in college football. Clemson was winning national championships. You know, and all of a sudden, nope, it just kind of fell away. Yeah, it fell away, and it doesn't seem like it's hurrying back anytime soon, at least not uh, not from the very top anyway. Switching up to the Big 12, Ohio or Oklahoma sits atop the conference right now, as does an unbeaten Baylor team at 7-0, and unbeaten in conference as well, obviously, when you say that. Um, what kind of, say Oklahoma falls, say Oklahoma stumbles at some point this year, whether it's the Baylor, whether it's in the Big 12 championship game against Texas, whatever it might be. Does a one-loss Oklahoma team get into the college football playoff? It'll be tough. It'll be tough. I've made the call along. In traditionally in this right, I know it last the history doesn't matter when it comes to you know this year's team full of 18 and 22 year old kids at Oklahoma State. That's just one of those weird rivalry games that at the Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy tends to rise up and come up with something special. That's where I think they lose it. And that's a problem because where's – give me the big win. I mean, Texas. I mean, Texas is all right. I mean, they have no defense. It's not really any big deal. It's not really Oklahoma's fault that UCLA stinks, but they don't have a big non-conference win. They don't have that Oklahoma win of a couple years ago. I'm sorry, the, I'm sorry, Ohio State win mm-hmm. of a couple years, years ago. 
I, there's just nothing on the schedule. I mean, Baylor's fine. Baylor hasn't beaten anybody either. It's just not that great a conference. So the problem is in the pecking order, if if Baylor or Oklahoma go 12-1 with a uh, Big 12 championship, they're going to fall behind the Oregon-Utah winner in the Pac-12 championship, assuming one of those two goes 12-1. All right. Yes, I... <laughs> I have trouble seeing Oklahoma stumbling. I have trouble seeing them lose a game in the conference. But if they do, I don't know how their resume appears better than that of what a one-loss Oregon team would be at the end of the year. I don't see it being better than what a one-loss LSU team would potentially be at the end of the year. Or if, say, I, I don't know, whatever it is, if whoever loses the SEC, if they get out with just one loss, I just don't see them and not having a better case than what Oklahoma has based off of the strength of schedule. Moving on to the Big Ten, though, place that you're looking for an upset. We mentioned it a little bit earlier this week. You were joking about when you said Maryland was going to go on the road and beat Minnesota, right? It's not that crazy a call. I'm not saying that they're like going out there and beating Ohio State. Minnesota has not beaten anybody. I mean, give me the give me the big, giant, humongous win, and don't say Nebraska without Adrian Martinez. Minnesota's okay. I mean, it's a good team. I mean, if it was so easy to start the season 7-0, and everyone would do it. But I do think that everyone's been saying, oh, well, you're 8-0, let's go into Penn State, let's, let's figure this out. Maryland, I think, is just flaky enough where they can be flaky good for this week. Yeah, I, I don't trust Maryland uh, based off of I know they've been injured. I know they've been beaten Nor up. Nor should you. But I just, where am I supposed to trust them? Because they played one game against the Syracuse team that they destroyed. All of a sudden, we know that Syracuse is awful. They got pantsed by Penn State by 59. I'm not saying Minnesota's going to beat Penn State here in a couple of weeks. But I'm guessing they don't lose by 59 on their home field. I, I just don't. Minnesota, I'm not, I'm, all, I'm with you. For a 7-0 team, I have next to no confidence in them actually getting to the 10-win mark this year. Maybe maybe that changes with an impressive win this weekend, but I still don't I don't see them getting to that point. I, I think I have but, PTSD from uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, where there was nothing there. There still is nothing there to suggest that Illinois would have a prayer of dealing with. I mean, everything pointed to Wisconsin winning that game. Every strength to every weakness favored a Wisconsin layup, and yet... Sometimes things just happen in late October, and I think this is going to be one of them. One more thing could happen that would be absolutely crazy and absurd. Uh, we have pretty much fired Clay Helton on this show from USC. <laughs> I think we did that before the season started, and then uh, Lynn Swan got asked to leave. He so kindly did, and I was like, all right, yep, Clay Helton's out. Who's going to be the next coach at USC? Is it going to be Urban Meyer? Is it going to be someone else? And all of a sudden, the way you kind of look at this team – USC holding the head-to-head win over over Utah already this year. What happens if they win the Pac-12 South, or is that even a question worth asking? We, we need to put like the Dallas Cowboys and the USC Trojans in the same bucket where both programs need to like, you know, Ross and Rachel have to get together already. We know it's going to happen. <laughs> we, we, we know that Lincoln Riley is going to be the head coach of Dallas at some point. We know Urban Meyer is going to be the head coach of USC at some point. We just need to kind of get to the get get to season four already. Yeah. The, the crazy part about USC, too, is they're really young. I mean, if you look at all their top, it's something insane, like 12 of their top 13 tacklers or something are all underclassmen. Uh, obviously, they have a whole group of young quarterbacks that they keep throwing out there. This young receiving core is good. He, Clay Halton's biggest issue, he's not crushing the recruiting trail. 
Oregon is. And if you're USC head coach, you got to be in the top five nationally, and you got to be able to go anywhere you want in the country and get whoever you want. And because Helton's as good as fired, if he doesn't win uh, the Pac-12 championship, it's been tough to recruit there, and so he just doesn't have the guys going forward. Yeah, he doesn't have that, even though he does have plenty of talent still there. It just isn't like the USC talents, at least in terms of depth, that you are used to when USC really has. And, there, and there's your hardball argument. You know, mm-hmm. win the he won a Pac-12 championship, great, but where are the big wins now? You know, where's your win over? You know, okay, great, you beat Utah. You didn't beat Notre Dame, and that's your your big rivalry game. You lost to UCLA last year, inexcusable. So sometimes you can win a big game here or there. Still doesn't matter if you're not winning all the mid-range ones and the other big ones as well. For sure on that part, SEC-wise, you have someone on your mind that you think is not getting enough comparisons to Jim Harbaugh for underachieving. Who is it, Pete Futek? And I'm going to knock you down. I know Jim uh, Jimbo Fisher's got his national championship. And that's not at, at Texas A&M, he doesn't. Not at Texas A&M, he doesn't. And he was supposed to come in, and he's got the 10-year contract, and he's supposed to make everything better. And all of a sudden, there's your difference maker, is that you've got this head coach who's knows, who knows what to do to get a team to that next level, and they are not doing it. And... I'd like, I like I when earlier in the year on the podcast I kept saying I thought they were going to beat Clemson I thought they were going to at least split the Alabama and Clemson games I thought they were going to be a dangerous team their schedule's brutal but you have to at least be more competitive than what they've been they're struggling against Arkansas and I know that's what they do but you can't struggle against Arkansas this offense is just boring and slow it's just a it's just a team it's a it's a regular old bold team that's just not going to go to the SEC championship, and that's not what you're paying all this money to Mr. Jimbo for. Yeah, not paying him all that money. He's also the quarterback whisperer his entire time at Florida State, and uh, wake me, shake me, do whatever you need to get me awake. When, when is Kellen Mond going to take a step? Because it's like he'll make a play here, he'll make a play there, but God, anything, anything close to consistency, you have not seen from him whatsoever. I get it. Uh, playing the tough schedule that they've played doesn't lend itself to that that easily. But like you said, against Arkansas, that team came out looking like garbage multiple times so far this year. Even what Jimbo's supposed to be great at, what he's supposed to be truly special at, he has not been a difference maker whatsoever at so far his it's, two years there. It's kind of basic analysis here, but they run this really slow stall ball style that I think takes the tempo out of both sides. It's just you, you, these offense just never, ever finds a groove because it's going at three miles an hour and just... They didn't think they put both sides to sleep and they just have nothing offensively because of it. He's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. It's the college football news podcast. Pete, before we go, and I know there's some big games next week that we'll be breaking down the, uh, the Florida Georgia game that we're not allowed to reference yep. drinking with anymore. Uh, nope. Some kind of party that happens while tailgating. World's largest outdoor shootout. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 That's exactly with booze and with, uh, with booze and bourbon and cocktails or whatever else it is. Um, what's the storyline that we're going to be talking about a week from now that we take away from this week nine of college football? I think it's just another war of attrition. I, I think the, the big storyline we're going to be talking about is who's just surviving. I mean, again, it seems crazy, but look at what last week we talked about how there's nothing big happening in college football, no big games, and Wisconsin gets knocked off by Illinois. And even bigger than that, the Tua ankle injury. Uh, 
it stinks. I want him to be healthy, and he's probably not going to be 100% for LSU. And it just kind of goes to show that while it's not a long college football season, we're in the dog days now where at this point, just survive, stay healthy, and keep on going. And we'll see who survives and stays healthy and keeps on going. And I'm looking right at you, LSU. That's the survive Auburn. That's that's what you got to do and get healthy and move on. And the other quick thing, I want to see the Alabama defense just destroy Arkansas. And it's it, two is out. So this is the game. Let's find the running backs. Let's get the defense back to Alabama form. Because part of the, the problem with Alabama is that Alabama, as it was in, in past form, in previous form, was not the type of team that's going to win a national championship with the way the defense is playing. He's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Hope everyone has a better week than the Sooner Schooner did last week. You're not toppling over yourself, and we will be recapping week nine before long. Pete, have a great week. We'll do it again next week. Later, Nick. College Football News Podcast. Subscribe to it, rate it, leave a review for it on iTunes and anywhere you download your podcasts all year long.